Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome in episode number 68, 68. Of, 68 of Blue Jays Nation 68. Radio. Tyler Remchuk and Cam Lewis with you again to recap that series against Oakland. As always, the pod is presented by DoorDash. Promo code BJ and pod DD gets first time users of the app 25% off and no delivery fees. Shout out to DoorDash. Coomsey, the Jays are six and four to start the season. Um, before we dig into the to the recap of the Oakland series and do our three up, three down, six and four. What kind of grade would you give the Jays for their first 10 games? That's a tough one because at a glance, I think you're pretty happy with six and four. Like you just kind of look at it. You're like, okay, they played 10 games or six and four. You do this every 10 games. You're going to win 96, 97, 98 games. That's great. That gets you into the playoffs and might win you the division. But you also kind of look at it. And if you've watched every single game and you look at their opponents, you know, you can't really complain about two and two and three against Texas, two and three against Oakland, but you'd have liked to see a sweep in there. You'd have liked to see them capitalize on one of those dog shit American league West teams before they go into this gauntlet schedule, but I'm probably just complaining too much. I think at the end of the day, they've very clearly not hit their stride yet. The pitchers look um, not really warmed up. The hitters are a bit cold, two key injuries, and they're still six and four. So the fact they're doing this well, despite a few things going wrong is probably a good sign. Yeah, and they're the only team in the AL East with six wins at the time of us recording this. I know the Red Sox are playing Monday against the Minnesota Twins, but six and four, top of your division. I, I do think you're you're generally pretty happy with the start. If I had to toss a grade on it, I think I would kind of go with like a B plus. Yeah. Like it's not B, quite an B A. Yeah. And it's not a failing grade by any means, even though some people are are bitching about certain aspects of their game. But for the most part, you got to be pretty happy with it. They've had a couple of games where the offense exploded. Think of the comeback against Texas. They've had a couple of games where they've had to grind out really tight wins. And it is, although the handful of their starters have struggled, they're grinding out some wins where their starters come through for them and the bullpen comes through for them. So it's been up and down to an extent. But at the end of the day, it's early in the year and they're not drowning. They're six and four again, top of their division. You, you generally like to see it. Um, the series against Oakland was definitely one that going into it, you ha- it has sweep written all over it. Mm-hmm, um, it did. So two out of the three, you're never fully disappointed with that, but you're right. You're kind of sitting there going, ah, could it could have done for a sweep there. Seven and three would have had us feeling a lot better about things, uh, but let's get into three up, three down brought to you by twig and berries. Promo code nation 15 gets you 15% off your order Free shipping in Canada on orders over $75. Uh, we want to start with the ups since they won the series. 
Yeah, we'll start with the ups. The first up that I have written down is, and I feel like we have to definitely praise this guy because a lot of people were shitting on him immediately. It was like, oh, wow, this guy is in the lineup. This guy's batting like fifth, sixth, whatever. Zach Collins just came out of the blue with Oscar getting hurt, Danny Jansen getting hurt. He finds himself in the middle of the lineup and comes through. And so far in the season, he's gone six for 17. He's smacked a dinger and driven in three runs. His OPS is almost 1,100. It's 1.099. And just the fact that you're getting even like a week-long hot streak from this guy is huge because when they made the trade recently, mcguire for zach collins it was like the whole point here is we're getting a catcher who can go through waivers he has options he can go down that's what we're getting here but maybe there's a bat here like you look at his numbers in triple and double a in the past and he's hit quite well so i mean <laughs> maybe the jays have found the diamond in the rough i mean it's it's very early very small sample size i'm not going to get too far ahead of myself but i mean anything from this is fantastic in my opinion yeah and if he's a guy again when we sit and do our season previews we're always like all right they got too many catchers, right? It's it's going to be Jansen and Kirk. Why do you need a third guy? The McGuire storyline, lefty bat. They flip them. And I think this shows, again, you got your hot streak out of Zach Collins. And the good part of the deal is that he's got options. He can go down. So I, I think this hot streak is great. And it shows that, again, if they go through injuries later in the year with catching, whether it's Jansen or Kirk, you have a guy who you know is at least capable of doing this. Not saying that every time you bring up Zach Collins, every time you go to him, he's going to find a way to hit whatever he's hitting right now. He's got a three seventy five average three seventy five. Yeah. Like, okay, he's not going to do that every time, but you at least know he's capable of it. And you don't have a problem putting him in the lineup for three, four games because you, there should be a chance you get some productivity out of him. So I agree. Collins is a big up from this uh, series. The other one for me, and this might be, I mean, Vladdy's probably the biggest story, individual story so far of the season for the Jays, but Jordan Romano is right there as well. This guy cannot be touched right now. No, he's pitched now six times already in the season. He has played 10 games. Romano's come in and pitched six times and he's picked up a save in each of his outings. So that means that every time the Jays win a game, they've needed to use their high leverage guys and their high leverage guys have not let them down. This is very, very, very different from last April where they were just blowing leads left, right and center. And now it feels like if they're up by one or two going into the ninth, then they are fine because Jordan Romano has come in and he's, you know, pitched six innings. He's allowed three hits, one walk, six strikeouts. He looks pretty much unhittable. He looks you know, like a, I think maybe, I think last year people were kind of getting on board with him being a bonafide closer, but it did still kind of feel like he was just a guy pitching in the ninth inning. It didn't feel like he was, you know, a, a full on stopper just yet. Now it does. Now it's like, okay, this guy saved, what is it? 29 consecutive uh, save appearances in a row. Yes. 29 in a row. And that was a blue Jays record early in the season. And now it just keeps going. Like, I mean, it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge change from where we were last year. That's for sure. And you mentioned the other guys that they're going to in those situations. Jimmy Garcia's pitched five innings, struck out three, hasn't allowed an earned run yet. Adam Simber had gave up that one home run, but in six innings, this guy's an ERA of three and he struck out four. So I, they're getting, you're right. It looks like the back end of the rotation is really solidified here. Uh, Tim Miza maybe hasn't been as dominant, but I'm, I'm like confident when they go to him in games again, his ERA 2.25, he's pitched four innings. So Again, they seem to have something that's working there on the back end of games. And you're right. They've had to rely on it and use it in every single game they've won this season as well. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. And that's something we'll touch on in one of our down points is the bats really need to wake up because the Jays are a team that's built on 
pretty frequently going and pouring on a whole bunch of runs so that their pitching doesn't have to be so strained. So there's a combination here of the starters aren't necessarily going as deep as they should. That's because of the shortened spring training. That's a reality. But the bats need to wake up so that not every second game we have to see Romano, Simber, Garcia, Meza come in and lock down four innings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the bats a little bit more, our third up here, it's the big man himself. It's Alec Manoa. And uh, when we did our hot takes at the beginning of the season, I remember there was someone who was like, hey, Manoa's going to get Cy Young love this year. And it was like, OK, cool. haha. I, it was one of the Twitter people. It was. Yeah. Somebody, somebody, somebody um, for our predictions was like, yeah, yeah like Manoa, did they say he was going to win the Cy Young or he was going to be a Cy finalist? Young or a finalist it was one of the two, but you yeah. know, we kind of chuckled at it or whatever. I don't know what we gave it on our rating scale. We gave it like um, a three. I yeah. think we were like, Oh, that's fun. Like we're excited about it. But after shutting out the Yankees through six innings, he goes into his start against Oakland, six innings, only four hits racks up another six strikeouts. Um, he gives up the one home run, two earned runs, another dominant start from Manoa. Yeah, I think the the first start was obviously super impressive because he looked unhittable, just looked like an ace. But then he comes into this start against Oakland. The momentum's not quite as high. His velocity is a few ticks down. I think he was averaging in the Yankees start like 95. And this time, I think he was down to about 90, 93. So he was about two, three below where he was sitting in this first start. But the fact that he didn't have the same velocity and he was still carving Oakland up and managed to put together a quality start and only allowed two runs and was just like, he was throwing the slider that just made guys look bad guys that looked like they were swimming a wet pool noodle. Like it just looked completely hopeless. The fact that he cannot have his a one stuff, not have his top level velocity and still just dominate a lineup. I understand this is the Oakland athletics, but go and look like Oakland, you know, they, they, they've scored runs so far this season. Like they teed off on Tampa's pitching a couple of times. So, I mean, they can hit. We saw them do it in the second game of the in, of the series. So the fact that Manoa doesn't have his A1 stuff and he's still fucking up this lineup is a huge positive. And I mean, I'm pretty cozy saying at this point that he's the ace of the stuff. I'm pretty comfortable with that. So far through this season, he's absolutely looking like it. And we'll get bounce backs from Jose Barrios, you would assume. You know, Kevin Gosman will go on runs he's been good. as well. And he's been solid. Um, but you're right, Alec Manoa, he's got that just electric stuff. And the, the sign of a great pitcher when you don't have your a one material on any given day, because you're not going to have that for all 30 some starts you make in the year. Can you grind your way to still have good performances? Manoa showed against Oakland that he's very capable of doing that. Uh, as we move into our three down one guy who did not have his a one stuff and is now on the IL with, uh, Andrew Stoughton, you know, made the joke left arm shittiness is, is yeah. what he's on there with Ryu didn't have it. No, Ryu didn't have it for the second start in a row. And this one, this one, he didn't have it at all. I mean, in the, in the first start against Texas, it was, you know, three good innings. And we thought, Oh, geez, like, you know, this is the Ryu we know and love. This was the first half of last year's Ryu. This was 2020 Blue Jays MVP Ryu. This was LA Dodgers Ryu. Then on the, the start against Oakland, it was getting just teed off from like the beginning. It was Kevin Smith coming up and blasting a huge hit off of Ryu, which is not ideal. But I think the one positive thing here and geez, we're really reaching to like turn this into a positive, but it's pretty clear that he needs to just like slam the reset button 
take some time because he didn't have the full spring training. And if there's anyone that needs a long, normal spring training to kind of like get themselves into their groove, get themselves warmed up. It's Ryu because he's a finesse pitcher. There isn't a hell of a lot of room for error with the way that he pitches because he has to paint corners perfectly. You know, he has to be very precise with his pitches. So I would imagine we're going to see him kind of not fully start from scratch, like the beginning of spring training, but they're going to ease him back. And hopefully that is what he needs to go back to being effective because the Jays need to figure out something where this guy can contribute because he doesn't really have the profile of a guy who you can just throw into the bullpen. You can't, you know, he's not really a big strikeout guy, so he's not going to come in and be your loogie or something like that. Just striking out lefties. Uh, So they have to figure out a way that he can be a quality starter. And I guess just starting him from scratch and building him back up like in spring training is probably the way to do it. Yeah. And the nice part about this Jays rotation compared to last year is that it's not like we're sitting here panicking because Ryu doesn't have it right. His IL stints last year, it got the feeling when he went down, it was like, oh boy. Like I remember there was the one game where he got hurt, walked off and it was like, holy shit, what's going to happen here? Like this is bad for the Jays. And with him struggling, it doesn't feel bad for the Jays because there's so much quality in front of him in the rotation. But if you could get him going that's why this rotation was being talked about as one that could be one of the best in the American league or even all of baseball is because of their depth. And if you had Ryu going back to the level he was a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you had four guys who could on any given day dominate a lineup. Um, so the, the, you're right. They'll build them back up and all of that stuff. And hopefully around mid season, we're sitting here and talking about a Hunjin Ryu who's starting to get going. But um, something that maybe could have helped the pitching is if the umpires weren't useless. That was terrible. Awful. I, I I really hate being the guy who blames the umpires. I really, I really don't, especially when, you know, I was at the game and I was watching kind of from a standing area in the one hundreds level, like down the third base side. So my view of the strike zone wasn't amazing. And I also had a few beverages. So <laughs> then you're just, you're just kind of, you're kind of going along with the crowd and yep. booing, blah, blah, blah. But when I got back, I went and looked and this was the second highest most called wrong game by an umpire so far this season according to that website umpscorecards.com i imagine if you're on twitter at all you would have seen this all weekend it's been it's been going everywhere but jeff nelson missed 22 calls in that game and if in case you don't recognize the name jeff nelson's the guy who in the 2015 alcs made the strike call against ben revere the uh the one, you reminded me of that yeah the one prior to him going and beating the ever loving piss out of that gatorade bin that was that was Jeff Nelson. So this guy, this guy hates the Blue Jays. And then the worst, the worst umpire team so far this year was Toronto and Texas, the Ryu start, where Texas won 12 to 6. So the Jays have been on the wrong side of two very poorly called games so far. If you've made Charlie Montoyo mad enough to get in your face, you've really you've really screwed up. Yeah. He because he he does not like getting mad. That's not his moxie whatsoever. Yeah. But I think we're we're also seeing a little bit more of a fired up Charlie this year. I think he's bringing Matt to the table this year a bit. He's kind of channeling his inner John Gibbons to get guys fired up. It kind of seems like that's the case. And yeah, and I I'm all for it. And Charlie I getting thrown it. out every once in a while is just entertaining. Like, um, but you're right. The the umpiring needs to get better. You would certainly hope that this is not just umps with like built in bias towards the Blue Jays or anything like that. And the hope would be a month from now, we look back and there's a few games where we go, all right, we've yeah. had our three games where the umps have helped the Jays and it's plus one and a half or 1.67 runs or whatever it's been. And, you know, maybe there's one more game where they're bad, but you would like to imagine that this sort of stuff is going to level itself out throughout the course of any given month or any three month stretch as well. Um, 
the last point here need to get the bats going. Looking at the Jays, they are in terms of team batting average, ninth in the majors team OPS. They're eighth in the majors runs scored. They are lower than that down at 16th uh, home runs. They're in the top 10 as well. Sitting at come on now, pop up for me a uh, second in the majors with 14 dingers. Only the LA angels have more. So you rattle that off and you're like, all right, your top 10 in average, your top 10 in OPS, your second in home runs, but yet, you know, your middle of the road in terms of actual production and runs scored, the lineup needs to be better, but drill into that a little bit more. I guess I give the surface numbers and on the surface you'd go, yeah, okay, the offense has actually been okay. It's still probably pretty close to a top 10 offense in the majors through 10 games, but how does it need to be better? It's a, it's a lot of strikeouts. I think, I mean, it's nice to see them really far up there in terms of hitting dingers, but one thing the Jays did well last year, and this is shocking because one thing a lot of people like to be automatically critical about is striking out too much. Even if you don't strike out a lot, people are like, oh, they're swinging too much. You got to take a pitch. Last year, they were really good at not striking out. And this year, they've been striking out like mad. I mean, you're seeing Vladdy here with 11 strikeouts to two walks. That's nowhere near what he did last year. I mean, <laughs> George Springer, even another guy who's hitting well, it's 13 strikeouts, only two walks. Bo's already struck out 11 times. He hasn't walked once. Matt Chapman struck out 11 times. He strikes out a lot. That's who he is. Walked five times. It's not terrible. Guriel, eight strikeouts, two walks. It's, it's just a lot of striking out. And I mean, I think we can give them a bit of a benefit of the doubt because there was those two really poorly called games from the umpires, but you know, you don't want to be those fans who are like, Oh geez, like we're not actually striking out that much. It's just the umpires being unfair, but you're seeing a lot of blue Jays just kind of chase pitches outside the zone. They're, you know, chasing sliders, chasing, chasing those breaking pitches is the things they weren't doing last year when they were truly an elite offense. And that's, that's why I think kind of, we're not seeing them put together these huge innings or these like later game rallies. It's just, it hasn't, it hasn't fully clicked just yet. And maybe we can just blame it on the lack of spring training. I think that's, that's kind of the thing we're doing with everything. It's like, ah, well, spring training was only like three days long. So uh, I can just shoehorn this into whatever narrative I'd like, but long story short, the Jays need to stop striking out so much. It's, it's been quite bad. The other side of that argument would be pitchers are struggling because of no spring training. And if the Jays can't hit now or they're struggling uh -oh. More than we thought they would. What could happen in the next month? But I think I'll take the optimistic approach on this one and just kind of say, yeah, I, I think they will get going and there will be more 10 game stretches throughout the season where the averages or where they look average. You could say there will also be 10 to 15 game stretches throughout the season where they just beat the ever loving hell out of everyone and are scoring five, six, seven runs a game, right? Like it'll come in ebbs and flows, I suppose is what I'm trying to say. And right now, early in the season, there seem to be some people who really want to panic, right? And be like, oh, is, is this offense not as good as we thought they were going to be, you know, but it's like, okay, it'll come. Like if we're in, it'll be fine. If we're at the all-star game and it's like, oh man, the Jays are outside of the top 10 and this, 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 and this, like, yeah, that's not good. But um, you mentioned the, the striking out too much as a thing. And you look at it, they're 26 in the majors and walks drawn. And then they're mm -hmm. 19th in strikeouts. So like they are striking out more than, 18 other teams in the league and they aren't walking a lot. So I do think that might be part of it as well. Um, the old plate discipline, I suppose. Fielding independent pitching. You want to have a lot of walks, little strikeouts and a lot of dingers. Yeah.
Absolutely. Uh, that, had luster. that was our three up, three down presented by Twig and Berries. Uh, something that we, we didn't really want to make a down, but it's certainly worth us discussing is uh, the Buck Martinez news that he's going to be stepping away from the broadcast after being diagnosed with cancer. Um, Buck is and we've talked about this before. He says goofy stuff. Right. There are times where you listen to the broadcast and you roll your eyes. But the things you can't really deny with Buck, his passion for the Blue Jays. And he's our guy. Like when Buck's not there, you miss Buck. And it was super sad to see that come out. We're obviously wishing the best for Buck. And I know the broad that was an emotional broadcast as well. Um, so hope for him to return. But while we all kind of like to poke fun at Buck every once in a while, he's so lovable. Yes. I think the thing with Buck, when we do tease Buck, it's not, I mean, I can't speak for every single fan. I, I know there's a lot of curmudgeon types people out there who are just going to whine about everything and be negative about whatever and find ways to criticize blah, blah, blah. But I think the mass majority of people who watch Blue Jays games, they like Buck. They find him to be a charming, endearing, likable guy. You sit there and listen to him talk and it's the backdrop to your summer. There's no doubt that he loves the Blue Jays. There's no doubt that he loves Toronto. I mean, when, when we tease them, it's because you do it out of like, you, you, you know, you tease your friends, you tease people you like, yeah, yeah. you make fun of Buck for goofing a player's name or, you know, saying the wrong first name. But I mean, you and I both do that too. Like it happens. Like, we haven't remembered who sent out a tweet in 68 episodes of this show. No. And I mean, the, the job that he does isn't easy. He comes out every single day for an entire summer and chats and finds things to talk about. And he's so positive and so upbeat. And even when the team is struggling, it's, fun to listen to because Buck's a positive guy. And another nice thing about Buck is he's like a 70 year old man who, you know, he's an old school baseball type, but he gets on board with the new stuff that the guys are doing. Like you're going to hear a bunch of uh, announcers around baseball, be critical of the home run jacket, but Buck's not like that. You know, uh, he'd be, uh, other people will be critical of bat flips or the, the flair that the Latin American blue Jays play with. And Buck doesn't do that. So, I mean, Buck through and through is a Blue Jay, like a Blue Jays legend. And in my opinion, like when it's all said and done, I would, wouldn't be shocked if his name is on the, the level of excellence in Toronto. Like he's a Blue Jays legend through and through. And I mean, let's hope he gets through this because not having Buck do the broadcast would fucking suck. The guy is just awesome. Simple as that. Yeah, he's absolutely a Blue Jays lifer. The dude loves baseball, loves the Jays, and we love Bucks. We're wishing him all the best, and we certainly are uh, are awaiting, hopefully, positive news out of that and hope to get him back in the booth soon. Uh, let's look ahead to what the Jays have coming up. Brought to you by the Sports Closet, sportscloset.ca. Everything you could think of, and yes, they will ship to anywhere in Canada. The Jays are coming up on a series against the Boston Red Sox in Toronto, which once again brings up the oh, who's not vaccinated discussion. And one name that can't travel is not coming up is Tanner Houck. Good young pitcher for the tour or for the Boston Red Sox. But the other side of this is that Pete Abraham's reporting the Red Sox have some COVID issues. Guys are wearing masks again. It sounds like this is a story that's still kind of developing here as uh, the Red Sox finish up their series against the Twins before coming north. But uh, man, this COVID story, it's not going away is my point. And I think this is an opportunity for the Jays as the Red Sox go through a COVID issue, have guys who won't be coming up to Canada, pedal to the floor and steamroll these guys. It really is. So the Jays are going to Boston right here for three and then it's Houston for three and then it's Toronto. It's back against Boston and Toronto again after that. So they're going to have the situation. Um, 
where how can perhaps other guys, because the report did say there's multiple players in the Red Sox that aren't vaccinated, just as there was with Oakland. So Oakland had three different guys. The expectation with Boston is that there might even be more than that. We've heard rumors that Chris Sale isn't vaccinated, though he's not with the team right now because he's injured. But I mean, apparently it's a handful of guys in the team. We'll see exactly who it is when push comes to shove. But yeah, this is a time for the Blue Jays to take advantage of Boston. They haven't been fantastic this season. They've been, their offense hasn't really come around yet. Their pitching has been all over the grid, such as everyone's pitching has been all over the grid. They're currently losing to Minnesota right now in their afternoon game on Monday. So they're going to be probably five and five unless they mount a comeback. So this is a good chance for the Jays to capitalize. And I'm pretty sure they're also not running into Nate Eovaldi in this series, which is honestly the only one pitcher that you kind of get nervous about facing. But for the Jays, they're fit, they're putting out like a a pretty good group of starting pitchers. It's going to be Kikuchi in the first game, and then it will be Barrios and Gosman. So that's your one and your two. And then we hope that Kikuchi has a rebound game in his outing because he had a bit of a rough go against the Yankees. But yeah, Boston's pitching has been all over the grid. So let's hope that this is a situation where the bats can finally wake up because let's look at some ERAs that the Red Sox have right now. I mean, um, Nick Pavetta has got a 9.39 ERA, 42-year-old Rich Hill, 6.23. The bullpen's been kind of a gong show. Um, and the same thing, like the offense hasn't really come around either. You've got Trevor Story, who is their big ad. He's got a 572 OPS. Um, Kike Hernandez was their big hero last year. He's got a 674 OPS. Jackie Bradley Jr. is not really hitting, which is no real surprise. I mean, the Red Sox aren't playing that amazing, so capitalize now while you can. Yeah, and and I think that's the Red Sox might also be looking at the Jays and going, hey, their pitching's been all over the place and their offense isn't that hot if there's ever a time, right? Like it's been actually similar even when you look at the numbers, like they both have 42 runs going into action on Monday and obviously one less game for the Red Sox. But this is a chance for the Jays to, you know, if you're going to get hot, this is the stretch you want to do it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And you have not a you have a slightly lame duck opponent coming in here with the Red Sox definitely not being the team that maybe some people expected them to be right out of the gates. And for the Jays, three against Boston, three against Houston, four against Boston, another set against Houston, and then a series against the Yankees. Like this is an important stretch of baseball and one that I think we'll look back on when we get to August and September. And if the Jays are running away with the division, we'll look back on this stretch and go, they set the tone for a really successful season at the end of April and then at the beginning of May. And if the Jays are holding on to a wild card spot and or maybe on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, we might look at this stretch as one that was like, damn, if they could have grabbed two more wins in that stretch, if they could have had three more wins or not fallen apart in this game over that stretch, this might be a, a point where you look back on and maybe kick yourself. So it's an important, it's important run here for the Jays is what I'm trying to say, Cam. Speaking of that, on the other side, the Yankees um, are a big deal right now. The Yankees fans are melting down. Oh, yeah. Because the team's five and five. That's not very good. But what put them at five and five after their two and two uh, two and two split at the Bronx with the Blue Jays. Um, the Yankees went and lost two of three games to the Orioles. And Bob Nightingale put out a tweet saying, do you realize that since September 1st, 2020, the Red Sox, Rays, and Blue Jays have clobbered the Orioles 53 to 15 in terms of wins and losses. Meanwhile, the Yankees have failed to take advantage going only 16 and 13 versus the Orioles. They're 500 against Baltimore, more or less. <laughs> against Baltimore. We, we can't laugh just yet because like, look, you never know. The Jays haven't played Baltimore yet yeah. this year, but that is funny. Like that, that New York's record against Baltimore more is ultimately like what cost them winning the ALEs last season. 
because they were only what, like six games back of Tampa. If they just do better games in Baltimore, they probably win the division, which is really funny. Yeah, that is uh, that is good. Um, who do the Yankees get next? Actually, because you're right, they've been melting down, and it's it's fantastic to watch. Uh, Yankees go next against the Tigers. Okay. Uh, the Tigers are off to an okay start. They're four and five. They're kind of an up and down team. Next up, Tampa Bay has the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs are five and four so far. It seems like everyone's got like the same record. Like no one's really doing amazingly well. Like the best record in the American league right now is six and three. That's the White Sox. And then you've got two teams in the NL who are seven and two, the Dodgers and the Giants and the Mets are seven and three. And then it's like everybody else in baseball is like four and five, five and five, Mm -hmm. six and four. And I, I'm fine with it staying that way. I'd love to get to a point where at like the deadline we're sitting here being like, you know, there's actually legitimate playoff races going on here. And we're not just doing the thing where it's like, oh, two teams are competing for one wild card spot kind of thing. Like we had the great race last year and it was so much fun. So I'd love to see if they could replicate that. We could because there's yeah. it seems like there's more teams actively trying to win this year. Like, you know, Oakland blew it up and gave uh, and just gave up. But like. Um, Detroit added some guys. Cleveland kept Jose Ramirez. Uh, Kansas City even added like Zach Granke. Um, Seattle's better, I think, than they were last year. Maybe like teams are trying, and that's yep. nice. And we could have a pretty sick playoff race. And there's also the added team in the playoff mix too. There's six teams now per league getting in, so it's easier to get in. So more teams come trade deadline time are gonna have an easier time justifying buying though. That being said, from a blue Jays perspective, that isn't ideal because then it's a market that favors the selling teams, but whatever we'll, we'll, we'll live with that for some fun competition. So it's, uh, it's always good for the sport. The Jays are looking over to our friends point points bet Canada. The Jays still plus plus one fifty to come out on top of the AL East, but I wanted to bring a couple of things to your attention. The American league Cy young odds have changed a little bit. Shane mm. Bieber is the favorite at four to one. Then it goes Garrett Cole, then Dylan Cease. Those are the only three guys 10 to one or better. But Alec Manoa, after opening the season 25 to one through two starts, has already upped his odds to 20 to one. He's at 20 to one. Barrios is still 20 to one. Kevin Gosman is 18 to one. Alec Manoa has the same Cy Young odds as Shohei Otani right now. That's not bad. I mean, it's it's pretty. <laughs> imagine going like a. I'm just trying to think if Manoa actually pulled this off and the Jays had back to back Cy Young winners. One's Alec Manoa and one's Robbie Ray. <laughs> it's so fucking random and not something that you would have ever convinced me to be a reality when you know they acquired Robbie Ray in 2020, but. You know, I, I, I'm not a betting guy, but I don't think those odds are terrible. I think, no. I think I, I, as I've said, and I, I'll keep saying it, but it was the ace of this staff. He's their best pitcher. Is he the best pitcher in the American league? I don't know. Can he go ahead and put together one of those seasons last year? Like Robbie Ray did where he's just good and better than everybody he's else. Capable sure, of it. I don't think it's impossible at all. After what we saw, like we just saw Robbie Ray do it. Such a, it was such an out of the blue guy to execute that kind of thing. And what it came down to was they're just, wasn't anybody else that was that amazing. So why not? Uh, American league MVP odds have shifted as well. And I really wanted to touch on this. Vladimir Guerrero jr. Is now the favorite to win AL MVP at plus 300 Shohei Otani's plus 350. Mike Trout is plus 600. Uh, Vladdy now three to one to win MVP. That speaks to just how damn good he's been this season. Like it's un- 50 home runs is not out of the question. And we talked with BK on our season preview episode about like, if he slips up from last year's pace, it is okay. He can be worse than he was last year. And it's still a great season for Vladdy, right? Like there is that in between gap that exists. 
okay, well, after 10 games, I think it's fair to say he's probably just going to be at worst the same Vladdy we saw last year, which was an MVP candidate. Well, he's on pace right now. He's got five home runs through 10 games. So that's an 81 home run pace. That's like, good. I, at what point do we like last year he hit 48, right? Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the thing here is that he was healthy the whole year, but 161 games. So that's not necessarily a guarantee. I don't think yeah. you can sit there and look and say, yeah, Vladdy's going to do 161 games again. That requires some luck. There's a little bit of good fortune there. Knock on wood, nothing happens, but you look at this five and 10 games and you're like, huh, are we sure that the goal here is 50 home runs? Or are we thinking actually like 60? <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> I don't see why not really. Like, I mean, I just got all charged up with the idea of Alec Manoa winning the Cy Young. So I'll talk myself into Vladdy hitting 60 home runs. It's not that insane, right? It's totally doable. Uh, that would be, I just, I've been 10 so far on pace for 81. If he stays healthy. Yeah. I mean, you can't doubt the guy. Um, no. And the thing is too, it's not like he just like rakes on good matchups or anything. Like he had that game in New York against the Yankees, Garrett Cole. Are you kidding me? Those were insane. Like those, those three, those, those dingers in that game, like the, the one Garrett Cole just throws a, a bomb right in on his hands at like 97 miles an hour, whatever it is. And he just launches it. It's like, that's again, like that, that's the kind of ball that most normal guys would roll over and hit softly to short. And Garrett Cole himself was even just like, how the fuck did you do that? And tipped his hat to him. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think Vladdy's hit his groove yet this year either. I mean, like I pointed out earlier, he's struck out 11 times and walked twice last year. He struck out 110 times and walked 86 times. It was somewhat close to a 50, 50 split for strikeouts to walks this year. It's nowhere near close. So you can argue that he hasn't yet hit his groove and he still has five dingers in 10 games. Um, for those interested, the NL MVP favorite right now is Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals. Um, all right, Coombsy, I think that's going to be a wrap for this week's edition of the pod. Shout out to our friends at PointsBet Canada. If you live in Ontario, the PointsBet Canada app is now live. So go download it from your app store. And I think they got some nice little bonuses in there as well when you make an account and uh, make a deposit. So go check out our friends at PointsBet Canada. Shout out to DoorDash, Sports Closet, and Twig and Berries as well. Coombsy, big three against the Boston Red Sox down at the Dome. We will be back on Thursday to recap things. Enjoy the series. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.